Welcome to Reactive. This week it is me, uh, your friendly, wonderful rock bot, Raquel Velez, and Khalil. Hello. And sadly, we have no Henning this week. Yeah, he's uh, off on a spy mission. Uh, yes. A mission for uh, for the United Kingdom of America. Yes, of America. exactly. Yeah. The, the United Kingdom of America. Yeah. Exactly. Wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so yeah. a mission, a mission, governor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, something, something, children, something, something, something. Something with the not queen. going to corgis. bed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's all about the corgis. Um, That's right. You know, the the queen of the United Kingdom of America <laughs> uh, is in need of corgi assistance and so henning is off yeah uh taking care of that yeah he has Soldier to, on. he has to provide emergency uh, emergency naps for those kids yeah so and corgis yeah, yeah that's right corgis. <clears throat> yeah yeah exactly so soldier on henning for, for you <laughs> yeah. hopefully we'll chat with you next week hopefully <laughs> yes hopefully you'll be back from that elusive country of the united kingdom of america Yes. I wonder exactly. where that is. Where is that? Um, it's actually, so, uh, you know where Iceland is? Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm. a little... It hovers uh, right above Iceland, yes. right? Yes. It's, it it's, which is why it's so elusive. A lot of people don't think yeah. uh, to look there because it's just so, so far in the middle of nowhere yeah, exactly. uh, up in the Pacific, too far north. The curvature of the, or- of the earth hides mm-hmm. it from all maps. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I almost took a straight face. I almost did. Good. So what's going on with you? We haven't uh, we haven't spoken in a while. I know. I know. Last week I, I was missing half of a voice. Mm-hmm. So that, that stunk. Um and uh yeah, I'm I'm getting better. I'm almost hypothetically better, although I don't know, we'll see. Mm. I think I think this is just gonna be the month that I'm gonna be sick. And so my voice is going to be weird, but then April 1st, which has no major holiday associated with it at all, hopefully that will be the day I get better. <laughs> I'll just be done. And I don't know, we'll see. Anyway, mm-hmm. but no, otherwise things are good. Um, you know, work, 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 work lots work. of work. Yeah. And um, yeah. How about you? What, what's, what's been going on, Kalu? Uh, so <clears throat> I wasn't uh, available last year, uh, last year, <laughs> last week because I was in Dusseldorf, 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 <laughs> and uh, I was attending the Thoughtram masterclass for Angular two, two, huh? yeah, two, two, and um, yeah, so so that was that was really cool. I met some friends there as well, and um, yeah, attended that masterclass, which was quite intense. And uh, a lot of knowledge or a lot of stuff to learn crammed into two days. And uh, but all in all, it was was really cool. Just because for me, it's uh, it's actually a necessity to learn Angular two. So it was nice to get that uh, stuff like uh, compressed like that in two days, because we are going to actually uh, hop hop on Angular two pretty soon uh, with our application at work. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, so that's so so um, Angular two is cool because it's faster. 
Uh, it's very much faster. It actually also it, it has uh, observables baked in. They use the whole the observable type to do async. And uh, so, so, so what we've been doing so far with Angular One and observables uh, fits right in there. It's it's fantastic. So that's really cool. So I was very excited to uh, to see the integration that they've built uh, with the observables. And then what else is cool? So generally, it has just become certain things have become uh, just simpler. You know how to build components and how to do dependency injection. Um, and yeah, so all in all, it has been a really good experience. Also, uh, I can definitely recommend uh, the Thoughtram, the Thoughtram guys uh, <clears throat> for for classes like that because they are very very knowledgeable and also very friendly, and um, they really try to to answer all the questions. And and uh, yeah, you can they just they are also very well connected with the actual angular team and the angular community and stuff like that so it's really uh it's 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 all high quality stuff so that was a really cool. good experience yeah um silly question was the class in english or german it was in english because uh the thought peeps are actually more uh, better known internationally than they are in germany although they are german yeah. right but they yeah, okay. from the beginning they were always they became very famous or they became or a, a big part of them becoming famous or well known in the angular community and stuff was because they uh, pascal pascal Precht, he he um wrote a lot of articles on their blog and they're all in english and uh. they're, they're all like like cutting edge angular 2 stuff and always uh, updated whenever something changes like just really good good stuff and and goes really deep a lot of knowledge in there and they got really, <clears throat> they just got um, pretty well known for that all over the world, really. And also were present at the big Angular conferences and stuff, giving talks. And so whenever they they um, they do a training somewhere, there's people from all over coming. There were people from uh, from uh, the Netherlands, then I think from Georgia, not America, Georgia, you know, Russia thing. And, uh, yeah, there were a bunch of people from other places, so they always do their things in English, the trainings. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah, so, so that's what was up uh, last week. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And then you went to uh, a meetup yesterday. Day? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. Stuttgart JS was yesterday. Cool. So that's I live in Stuttgart. So, so there was actually also it's also a cool little story because um, so years and years ago Stuttgart JS was in a little co-working space here, and I went there once and I didn't like it. It was kind of small. People were kind of I don't know, not super engaging and there were just a few people sitting around a table one guy was talking about something and it was okay but i didn't i didn't feel i'd feel super welcome and it was not super fun so and then at some point i started organizing karlsruhe js and frankfurt js because karlsruhe was where i was working in frankfurt was the company i was working at also had uh had had the headquarters in frankfurt so there was an opportunity to do that so we did that and my colleague or my friend with whom I'm uh, doing that, he moved to Frankfurt. So that's how that all happened. And um, 
And then at some point, um, the current organizer of Stuttgart JS contacted me over meetup.com because he saw what we were doing and that it was working, right? We always had, we always have like 50, 70 people, um, coming to the meetups and Stuttgart JS was, had a lot of members in the meetup group, but there was always just like seven, 10 people coming. And so he wanted to know, you know, how he maybe can, you know, get more people. So I met with him a few weeks ago or a couple months ago and basically explained to him how we're doing it. So basically what, what we are doing is very simple. It's just, we find a company that wants to host They make sure that there's food and drinks and also beer, you know, like it's not just like, oh, you can't have alcohol. No, there's also beer and nobody gets drunk, though. It's just uh, just to be relaxed. And then everybody gets fed of everything for free because the company is just a sponsoring opportunity for the company that hosts. And they make sure that there's chairs there and you have the technology to 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 give talks. And so basically all that is kind of outsourced to the hosting company and and I'm just trying to I'm just getting it organized I'm uh, uh, emceeing the event and I make sure that we get good speakers there. And and that's basically what I explained to him like it's really about what is important is that people don't have to pay for food and drinks when they when they come there and because it's after work and and like They have to be, they just have to be relaxed. It's a, supposed to be a place where people can relax and chill and, you know, um, network and listen to some cool talks. And, and that's really it. And, um, cool. yeah. And so the, he, he basically implemented that. And also I helped him with, with a few contacts for, for different speakers because that was also a major thing for him. Like he wanted to have access to, to better speakers. And we created the Slack channel where now there is, Stuttgart JS and their Frankfurt JS, the organizers, um, Karlsruhe JS, then also Franken JS, which is Nuremberg, and uh, Pot JS, which is I think in Bochum. Um, uh, yeah, so it's the 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 woman that organizes Ruhr JS. She's also organizing organizing the meetup there, and uh, so she's also in there with us. And we kind of we kind of now. You know, just when somebody has a good speaker, we try to get him in all the other meetups as well, or her. So, um, so and since since that since he implemented <clears throat> those principles, um, it just like suddenly boom, just nice. works. Yeah, like there's like it's always full. Like there's a waiting list. You have like forty, fifty people uh, right from the first time he did that. So. So nice. That, yeah, so that was really really cool. And and yesterday um, I went there just I wanted to see how it is and it's it's very it's very welcoming, friendly and good talks and um it was uh really fun just to to talk to people and after that we went to hang out in a bar and stuff. So that was really cool. So Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. I went to uh I went to a meetup earlier this week as well. I very rarely go to meetups anymore, but um, I was asked to speak on a panel uh, for Callback Women, uh, which is a uh, a group that tries to improve, uh, whose goal is to radically change gender diversity uh, in on 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 technical stages. So I I was on a panel to 
kind of talk about what it's like to be a speaker at conferences and how to kind of become a speaker at conferences. And it was a, it was a really cute turnout. Um, it was, uh, it was at square at the, at the square headquarters and oh my goodness, the security for that building was unbelievable. Mm. It was, it's easier for me to walk into a bank. Like I could walk into a a bank vault, I think easier than I could get into square. It was unbelievable. Um, but I mean, it was, and, and like, we couldn't, we couldn't explore the offices or anything. Like they were like, so here's your meeting room and here are the restrooms. Don't wander off. And there were security guards ever. And I was like, oh my goodness. Um, so that was like a really interesting experience. Um, wow. but, uh, but it was really fun. And the, if anybody's interested, the panel was recorded, um, and it'll be up on YouTube at some point. At which point I will tweet it out and all of those good things. Um, nice. So if you're curious about all those things, it's really. It, it, I thought it was a. It, I thought it was a really fun conference or um, meetup rather. Um, yeah. And Is there then, anything uh, anything interesting you learned? Um. So, so I mean, for me, it was. I was kind of like the most experienced speaker mm-hmm. on the panel. I've done. 20 maybe 25 talks at this point um and so there are a couple people who'd only done one and then there are a few people who had done like five or you know 10 or something like that so so in terms of like how to become a speaker i i didn't learn very much there but i did learn something really interesting which was um so especially as a woman um, or a woman identified person, if you were to go up on stage, like it's, it's really important to ask the organizers ahead of time, uh, what their mic setup is like, because if you wear a dress, it can be really difficult to have one of those, um, uh, what some people call the Madonna mic, uh, uh, which is like the 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 lapel mic or or whatever that like mm-hmm. it hooks into your shirt and then they put the receiver or the transmitter into your pocket. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a pocket, then you're walking around holding this thing in your hand. And if you talk with your hands, then the whole thing gets all messed up. And they were like, "Don't do that. Mm. <laughs> Ask around ahead of time. See if you need to coordinate your outfit ahead of time to what." equipment they have so that you don't feel really awkward Mm -hmm. and it's like never occurred to me because i always go up in jeans and like a Mm t-shirt um so i always have pockets so i I thought that was like an interesting little i was like oh totally oh wow i never thought about that Mm -hmm. that's good to know so that was a cool a cool tidbit um i also want to give a shout out to uh to to the the cool folks at Changelog, um, I was on their podcast this morning. There will be another. Oh, um, really? That's yeah. Awesome. So, um, so huge shout out to the awesome folks, um, Jared and Adam at the Changelog. Um, if you haven't listened to their podcast, they do some really really neat. Uh, they do like interview type stuff. It's it's kind of like descriptive but um it's uh like it's they have like sponsors and stuff so like there's like there are these weird moments where they're like and now uh (laughs) we're gonna take a break (laughs) we'll come back in in just a moment you know and then like you pause yeah and then like we like you know kind of 
chat about whatever, shoot the breeze. And then it's like, okay, time to come back in. All right. So before we left for break, this is, <laughs> and I'm just like, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so I just thought that was really funny. I was like, wow, this is super professional. This is totes profesh. Yeah. And I am, you know, just having fun. Um, yeah, one of, one of them is actually doing it full time. Like yes, he's just I, doing the right. change log. Like that's his job. That's <laughs> crazy. So yeah, cool. I think I think you're. I think that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought I thought that was so that was so fun. Um, and uh, yeah, so 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 what, hey, did, you, what did you what did you talk about? Um, we talked about about my story. Um, oh, cool. So so that part it, it's very like it, it's very similar to uh, descriptive mm-hmm. because, um, they were just like, you know, so how did you start? Yeah. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about node bots. Let's talk about NPM. And, um, and like, they're very, the whole point of the change log is really focused on open source. Mm. So they tend to grab members of the community who, who, um, do a lot of open source work yeah. and, but you get to hear kind of their, their origin stories and how they got to where they are and all of that good stuff. So, um, that was, it was super fun. And, uh, it, it took a couple of tries cause they tried to, I tried to, I was supposed to record with them earlier this week, but, uh, there were technical difficulties and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I promise next time let's do it like Thursday morning instead. And, uh, they were like, Oh my goodness. We don't want you to be like tired and stuff. I was like, no, no, no. I'm energetic and awesome all times of day. <laughs> and they were like, don't make a promise. You can't, you can't, you know, follow up on it. And I was like, no, no, I promise. I will be energetic and awesome for this podcast. It's going to be so great. And I think, I think, I think it worked out. I think. Oh, I'm very excited to listen to that. I really love that podcast. It's really Yeah. Cool. It's a, it's, it's a great, great podcast. So, um, so keep your eyes and ears out for that. It should be coming out. Probably in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. so we'll we'll tweet it out. That's great, so cool. Yeah. So, um, so what else? What else is going on? What else? Like- what else? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I totes um, uh, published my cycle browserify boilerplate a few weeks ago. I don't know. It's. Uh, it's it's the it's cool. It's uh, it's I just basically took the Webpack boilerplate and um, which is basically like a tiny CycleJS application um, that does in the Webpack thing like it does all this hot module reloading and stuff like that. This is something that the Browserify world uh, has also. Um, there is like an HMR uh, module. For um, a package for Browserify or plugin for for Browserify, um, but it seems to be like still in the works and not super stable and not a hundred percent implemented all the way through. So I'm still kind of waiting with that. I didn't integrate that. But other than that, it does uh, live reloading uh, for your okay. JavaScript and your CSS, of course. And it also like you can do npm start, and then the app just starts in the in a development browser. Um, or development development server and opens the browser and you can start working on your application and <clears throat> and I really I made this discovery actually it's not a discovery because I knew of that module before already it's called Budo are you do you know Budo 
I don't know Budo. Budo is really cool. So Budo is is like a, a browserified development server thingy. And so basically what you can do, you can install it as a global module if you want. Um, and you could just point it to a JavaScript file and it will just, um, and it can be ES6 out of the box and it will just start a server and host that file in the browser for you and show it. And like it, it will stub in like an index HTML with nothing in there. And it's super cool for prototyping, you know? And so you can, you can just basically say Budo, uh, main.js. If you like, hmm. it's, you know, if you're in that, uh, in that directory and it will just start the thing and you can start, uh, writing some more JavaScript and then we'll live reload and everything, you know, like, so it's, so if you have a, you know, an idea and you want to write a little idea in ES6 or just ES5, it doesn't matter, of course. Um, and you want to see what it does in the browser, you can just point Budo at it and then it does it. It's total, it's so cool. And, and I'm, and you can also, it, it Use it um, for for an actual like bigger project also like if you because it just does all that normal stuff that you need right and so I did a little bit I needed to do a little bit of configuration uh, I'd like just basically turn on some flags so that when I do npm start it starts the Budo thing it's pointed to the source file of um, it's pointed to the main file, the entry file of the application, and it does all its browserify and babelify magic and stuff like that. And host and 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 if you have an index HTML in your project directory, it will just use that instead of stubbing in their default one, for instance. So there's a lot of like really cool defaults, and it's it's been around for a while already. I've actually seen it years before already but um never really used it never really was clear on what it does like for some reason i stumbled upon it but i didn't need it because i was using something else like grunt or gulp setup whatever but for this uh for for creating like this um boilerplate from scratch that has all all those kind of features built in um that was really really cool it was really cool so i I totally recommend Budo and it's been around for a while and it's also still being maintained and stuff. So yeah. Shout out to right. Budo. Yeah. I need to like look into this cause I'm not entirely clear what, what, why I would use it. Um, so you, <clears throat> probably just because I just don't understand it fully. Okay. So you would use it. You can either use it how I did it for like the boilerplate is basically it's a project now on GitHub. You can go ahead and you can download the zip or you can clone it <clears throat> and you can do npm install and it will install like, um, <clears throat> all the Babel stuff. It will install Budo. It will install Node SAS and like a bunch of modules that, that are just like the defaults I chose. And, um, and also the other guy who did the webpack thing. And, um, and then this Budo thing. So instead of using, instead of, for instance, so before what I did, I used something that, uh, Louis Cowper told me once. Uh, he told me about live ser server. It's also a module. So just because, so the standard thing for me when I do front end development, um, is that, I would always, since years now, that's like the standard thing that is also that you get when you use a Yeoman generator, for instance, or, you know, like the typical grunt or gulp setup would just start a super simple 
node server that uses connect or uses i don't know like a super simple module that just implements http and so that you can you can serve and index html and in that index html you serve of course your javascript and your css and then then you have a watcher running and whenever you change your javascript it will the there is this live reload uh thing that works over a web socket that you can um also implement as a I mean that you can also install via via um, npm, and then you have to hook it up into into your index HTML, and then it will basically the watcher will communicate with your server, and your server knows oh something changed, I'm gonna reload now, or I'm just gonna you know refresh the CSS. So you don't have to take like you if you write your JavaScript, you save, then it just does a reload for you, and you don't have to take care of it, and you can see the changes, right? Mm-hmm. Th- that's mm-hmm. th- that's a very basic kind of setup. And this Budo thing is just you just don't have to do any configuration or setup anymore. It just comes with it does um, the watching of the JavaScript. It does all the browserifying. Like I don't have to ins- go ahead and install browserify and make an npm scripts task for browserify to compile my JavaScript and Babelify it and stuff like that. It's all built into that Budo thing already. So I just have the Budo command pointed to my ES6 file and it just starts a server and, and you know, hosts it in, uh, in, that, in that little server in an index HTML and I can start prototyping or building an app or something like that. So is it, is it kind of like, like the REPL on the command line, but for client-side javascript um in the sense of like so what i'm what i'm what i'm imagining based off of what you've just told me mm-hmm. uh let's say i have some javascript that i want to play around with on like uh but like client-side javascript mm-hmm. and yeah um so i have like a, a standalone piece of javascript whatever some mm-hmm. foo.js and what you're telling me if I'm understanding correctly is that I can run budo off of foo dot like I can say budo whatever foo.js whatever the command line mm-hmm. uh, is yeah. and then it'll give me a localhost port number and then I can just go to that and immediately see my javascript like in the client yeah exactly so that's what happens so what it does that's it, really awesome yeah so if you don't have an index html lying next to the foo.js it uses there's it it has a default indexed html uh, html that it that it streams into there or stuff i don't know how they do it but they just like copy paste it maybe into the directory that they serve or whatever but so what happens is exactly that you get the local host with some sort of port and you can even tell it to open the browser for you already so you can say budo uh uh foo.js and you can say dash dash live and when you say that, then it knows it's it's supposed to do live reload, meaning that when you change the JavaScript, it will reload itself. And you can say dash dash open. And when you do that, then the browser opens the index HTML that gets stubbed in by Budo and opens that address, the localhost, some port, whatever it decides what the port is. And it runs your JavaScript in the browser. Exactly. You can see what, what it does. Okay. That's really awesome. Yeah. And it's like just one second. You install it, and you can just start prototyping or something. That's like that. really awesome. That is exactly what I needed four years ago. <laughs> Maybe it was even around four years ago. I don't know. 
No, I don't know. I doubt it. I, I doubt, doubt it. it. I doubt it. Let's let's be real. Four let's years ago, <laughs> Node Node was was still this thing that people were like, yeah, yeah, that's cute. That's never actually going to take off. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know. Anyway, yeah. that's super cool. That's yeah, it's amazing, and you can even like if you are if you want to learn a little bit um, of. Um, you know, ES6, you can also do, you can use ES6 modules in there. So you don't, so yeah. if, if you can say in your foo.js, you can say import bar from bar. And then it does that. You know, you, you just have to have nice. a bar, a bar.js next to it and you can use the bar and you can do console log bar and that will all nice. work. It's really, really cool. Nice. Have I have I mentioned to you Dr. Frankenstyle yet? No. Okay. So one thing that we're using at NPM right now um, is this. So imagine, imagine Browserify, but for CSS. Okay. And yeah. So there's this there's this thing called Dr. Frankenstyle that is paired with so. Uh, the UI team at Pivotal, Pivotal Labs, um, if you've ever heard of Pivotal Tracker, um, Pivotal Labs is kind of like a consulting company. Uh, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. They, they developed this thing called Pivotal UI, which is essentially, think of it as like bootstrap on steroids um, in the sense that it's extremely specific to Pivotal Labs. And this allows any team throughout Pivotal to build uh, websites, especially like HTML and CSS without having to necessarily know all the CSS. Um, and, and you know, that's all great and wonderful, et cetera. But what's cool is that it, it creates, com- like you can create components with Pivotal UI. So you can have like a buttons component or uh, a grids component or a label or a, sorry, a links component and typography and all of these different things. And it exports all of these components as NPM modules. So it's like PUI, CSS, buttons or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so at NPM, we forked that repo and have been using, have been basically overriding all of the pivotal UI defaults with our own NPM colors and typography and et cetera, et cetera. And then we're exporting our own uh, modules uh, under our, our org name, which is NPM Corp. So if we're like at NPM Corp slash buttons and uh, typography and whatever. And what Dr. Frankenstyle does, I love the name also just because it's really awesome. <laughs> um, so basically what you can do with Dr. Frankenstyle is you install all of those modules from NPM um, and you save them in, as like dependencies so that it, they show up in your package.json. And then Dr. Frankenstyle goes in and pulls out all of those modules and looks for CSS files uh, in all of them, and then creates a dependency graph based on the package.json of each of those modules. Because, like, you can say basically, like the uh, the the links uh, module is dependent on the typography module, which makes perfect sense, right? Because you know, it depends on different typography. And you can have like a colors module as well. Um, and then it creates a dependency graph of the of the different CSS bits, and then it basically takes all of the CSS and merges it into one single CSS file, so that you can basically have all these components and you can install them separately and and create them separately. But then at the end of the day, you have a single style sheet that has 
all of your CSS specific to your project. And that way, developers don't actually need to know any CSS at all. You basically, um, I don't know if you're familiar with OOCSS, which is like Mm -hmm. this object-oriented CSS idea. Um, But the idea is that then, uh, and you know, there are pros and cons, but if you're not a CSS expert, if someone else has figured out here, here's how you build a pane or how you build a form or whatever, then you can look at the style guide and then just using class names, basically only focus on the HTML and you can create like beautiful looking pages just with the components that somebody else has created. Hmm. And, and it's like, it just, feels it's kind of seamless it's it's just incredible the way that like all these components are living in npm and then you can pull them in via npm but it's just css it's all just css and you can you can with pivotal ui um you can create your css with sass and mm-hmm. so like all of that works but mm-hmm. then there's like a gulp script that then turns it from sass into css so then dr frankenstein only only consumes css files and then it just merges them all together. That's amazing. That's so Isn't that cool. Cool. Yeah. I think it's super, super cool. It's not. It's not the most perfect. Uh, uh, like, it's not the most perfect tool yet. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of ways to go. There are, um, especially us at NPM, are looking at how uh, the developer, the development team at Pivotal, have used NPM to kind of make it all work mm-hmm. and. Um, there's there are moments where we're like, oh, we wouldn't have made that decision. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant, mm. and it's made my life so much easier. Because as I may have mentioned a few times in in previous episodes, CSS and I do not get along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's super super cool, and I'll make sure that we put all the everything into the notes. And it's all open source. Is the other really great part. Mm. Um, so it's I, I I think it's really neat and really cool. cool. So yeah. so so, how much CSS bits are out there? Is there like is there like a registry where you can we can see, pick and choose, or figure out what they're mm-hmm. called and stuff? Or how does that not work? that I know of? Um, so we basically just we literally just forked both mm-hmm. uh, Pivotal UI and Doctor Frankenstyle from Pivotal, and have just kind of repurposed everything for ourselves, putting it under our namespace. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which, because it's open source land, we can do that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like for the most part, I think it's all. Oh, oh and and um, one thing that we're not using, but that the Pivotal team is using, is React. Mm-hmm. So um, they also have React components mm-hmm. that they've built, so that anybody throughout that company can create React or can just use React components without having to create them from scratch. Um, it just really speeds up the the velocity of teams, I think needing to like turn stuff out. Um, so it's pretty cool that way. Very uh, cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, how to find all those things, not necessarily clear. Um, mm. but the naming of those modules being outputted from pivotal UI is very consistent. Mm-hmm. It's like PUI hyphen CSS hyphen component name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also py hyphen, I think it's React hyphen component name, or maybe it's JS. I don't remember. But the point is that like it's a really consistent 
style or naming convention. So you can, you can mm-hmm. at least look those up. Yeah. And uh, they also have their repository that you can look into, I guess, there. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you can see all the different components that they make. And yeah. Um, so we've just, like, we've spent the last several weeks. It feels kind of like we've been doing nothing for the last couple of weeks because we've just been, like, updating components and building new components and all this other stuff. But then just this past week, I have been churning out new designs because the NPM website might be having a little bit of redesign soon. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I said nothing. Uh, <laughs> I didn't hear anything. Podcast. What did you say? Yeah, I don't know no, what you're talking about. Um, okay. But like, I've just been churning out new things like so fast, super, super, super fast. Um, and it, it just feels good as a developer to like not be screaming about CSS all the time and instead just making stuff happen and like, m- like churning out new, new layouts and new designs and just getting that stuff out the door so you can work on other problems like you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Also, because uh, CSS really, like, once you have your design elements, then uh, and those those are implemented in CSS, then it's a solved problem. It's really not yeah. necessary for you to, yeah, yeah, to fight with it all the time. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So feels really good. That is um, super interesting. Actually, that yes. that was also we were thinking along those lines for our stuff at work also because we also have to kind of. Um, supply other teams with the framework and with you know css mm-hmm. bits and stuff like that but yeah. it seemed for us it seemed uh, just a little bit crazy to have all those modules mm-hmm. and then kind of put them together and also the you know like the work that goes into building a frankenstyle thing mm-hmm. yeah um, but but if you can just use dr frankenstyle to take care of it for you yes of course well we didn't know about dr frankenstyle so well now you do now you do <laughs> I know it's a little date for us now, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it but is pretty cool. Well, you know, for the next time. For the next time, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not going to forget that. That's really cool because I'm also not super, super into CSS writing. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. I had I had that one tweet about CSS, and it's still going around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. So yeah. Anyway. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> what so, else? What else? Um, so so I, I also found a cool tidbit. So do you know um, what the Ember CLI is? I mean, Henning talked about this a bunch already. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Ember's, like... <clears throat> command line interface yes exactly that's, that's me look at look at me i know all <laughs> you know all the things it's great uh yeah no that's exactly right and it does it does a bunch of stuff so basically it's used by by the whole community of ember um uh and so it, it it has all those problems also solved. So basically all this stuff that I that I wrote NPM scripts for or just used NPM modules for in my boilerplate thing for the cycle stuff, that's also all in there, in their like they choose their own things, whatever they have the, the a local server that you can start with like Ember CLI serve or you know and it does all the live reloading it does the watching of the files um and it just has like ember likes to do it they have um sensible defaults 
And it just means people can be productive really quickly, right? It, because mm -hmm. it, it comes with the framework, this tool, right. basically. And um, <clears throat> there was, we had a little a discussion a few weeks ago in our Slack chat about – I, I was making the argument. I don't know why it came to that, but I made the argument that I, I really love that idea and I think there should be something like that f just for JavaScript. I think that like it's it's so stupid to – Like that every project, you know, has to build their own gulp chain, whatever, build chain or grunt or whatever, and, f and make the decision, okay, which, which local server, node server am I going to use? And, um, what is the, whatever, the CSS thing or blah, blah, blah. Like all those, all those little decisions that you have to make. There's so, <clears throat> there's, there's so mature solutions for that out there already that, you can make um, just some good defaults and a lot of people would be able to, to get very far very quickly with that. I think it just like the Ember CLI has proven already. And the Ember CLI is also great because it has this kind of plugin system. They call them add-ons. And, and for instance, what you can do, um, are you, f are you uh, aware of the Firebase uh, backend as a service thing? I have heard about it. Didn't <clears throat> There was some drama about that recently. Okay, well, uh, I don't know about the drama, but basically, it's like Maybe it's not. like a it's I don't know it's it's <laughs> but it's besides the the point that I want to make. So the Firebase thing is just like a backend as a service thing, and you can mm -hmm. it also provides like authentication and login and stuff like that, and um, you can just hook up your app to that. And for instance, in the Ember CLI ecosystem, there's for instance an add-on that you can install via NPM and then you can just hook up your app without really any work because you have all these conventions in Ember so that even talking to the server is solved for them because they have the Ember data module and they just have like this add-on implements the, the, the adapter to the Ember data module and you can just talk to... Um, um, to Firebase in the Ember way, basically. And you don't have to think about and you're very productive and you have a production, like you can run an app in production with that backend, for instance. And there's lots and lots of the things where, where they integrate Ember with other libraries and, and, and different backend solutions and all kinds of stuff um, through that add-on system. <clears throat> So it's, it's, it, that makes it very flexible. And, uh, so this is a really cool thing. And I just found out because I wasn't, I heard rumors about that, that Angular was, took Ember CLI and made, and was working on Angular CLI, but I haven't heard about that in a long time. But when I was at the, the training, Pascal told me that they are actually really doing that. They, they did, they took Ember CLI. And they're just doing a little bit of Angular. They're changing a few things so it works for them. And then they're just literally gonna launch when when Angular 2 comes out of beta. They're going to launch with an Angular CLI, which is basically Ember CLI under the hood. Isn't that crazy? Nice. Yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> yeah, that's I think cool. this is really cool. And then also the React people on their last uh, conference. They also talked about they want something like something where you don't have to set up all the transpiling and uh, and they but they have like their approach is a little different. It goes it's it's kind of like the Budo 
thing, what they were thinking about. It's like a CLI where you just point it to to an applica- uh, to, a, to a JavaScript file and it starts serving and transpiling and all that stuff and you can prototype really quickly, but then from there can create like a production-ready application. You don't have to like switch to a completely different CLI or system or build system or whatever. You can, you can, you can really prototype with it and then build it out um, with the same tool. And that's what kind of they're thinking. And uh, I think this is a really cool um, movement because transpiling from ES6 um, to, to ES5 is just, or from TypeScript or CoffeeScript, whatever your flavor is, is just like a reality of our time. And it will, will be for a long time that our JavaScript needs to be transpiled if we want to use modern JavaScript. And it's just not going to go away. And a lot of those problems have been solved already, just like the CSS. And I think it's actually very sensible to create something. I would, And I, I'm just thinking that why can't there be like a JavaScript CLI? You know? <laughs> I mean, couldn't... I don't... I, I feel like, but I, isn't that NPM? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, it's, it's like NPM can be like, or, or basically is the, is, is like the assembler <laughs> for that, you know, like the, it's, it's like the underlying system that you use to build the CLI. But if you, if you just have NPM, Every every project you're in, you really have to you have to decide which npm modules are you going to use for the different yeah. things. To, right. So so the the point of the CLI is it uses npm under the hood, but it makes all those decision that decisions that every project always have to has to make. Mm-hmm. Again, it makes them for you, so you can just start working on the JavaScript for the app. And you don't have to write a ton of JavaScript for your build system and for your this and that. Yeah, that's true. But as we all know, JavaScript is the Wild West. And you can't tell cowboys what to do. That's know. true. That's true. But <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But because we have something like NPM, you can make those, you can make a CLI and you can have like 99 percent or 80 percent of all the developers using that and being very productive and like and like uh you know building apps and stuff like that because all it really does it just it serves your javascript in the browser and live reloads or hot module reloads or whatever transpose your es6 like just so it's just like basics it's like for like wi-fi and food for a human being or something like that you know <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah and, and although it sounds and then when you it's stupid that we have to make decisions about which are we using connect or express or whatever to serve a little javascript you know for front-end development for prototype or whatever like this is just like and and then but then you have like an add-on or plugin system or you can just use npm to add more modules and you still have the flexibility i this is just my point like the flexibility doesn't really go away it just there's just sensible defaults because they work you know, like there's a lot of good solutions already that really work. And that's, right. and I think that's a really cool idea because it's also great for, yeah. for, for, for beginners. Right. Right. Definitely. Well, I mean, I think, and I think it sounds, if, if I'm remembering correctly, that that's kind of what Budo is trying to do. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what Budo does. But of course you need, you know, with Budo, 
it just does the whole live reloading, transpiling, and serving, which is already a lot, which is great, and which really takes a lot of work away. Like it really, um, uh, it's if you build your build system or your 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 like JavaScript development environment and you use Budo, it does a lot of work for you already. But then there's of course the whole matter of um, okay, but how? But you need to use npm scripts now to set up the budo and yeah, CSS and all that stuff. So there's also like the whole CSS question, but of course that's even a little bit more complicated because some people like to use less or just CSS mm -hmm. or different modules. So I don't yeah. know. It's it's super. It's it's not. It's a touchy subject. Everybody's like, yeah, but we want our freedom, and I'm like, no, no, put them into a box. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Oh goodness! But I think yeah. But Budo, you're making a good point. Like Budo does a lot. Like especially if you just want to do a little bit of prototyping, you have like a simple idea and you want to try something out really quickly. Like you can just do that with Budo. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 So anyway. Anyway. You're just trying to start. You're just trying to start up some trouble. Yeah, totally. But I must. But the the frameworks are on my side. I must say. I mean, true. see, I mean, Ember CLI, Angular CLI, we have React CLI is kind of, the community is working on it. Now, if we just take those and mush them together somehow, we can have a JavaScript CLI. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't maybe. Know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, so I saw that you put, you put um, a, a Twitter link into the... Yes, I did. Okay, so... What is that? So... Um, on it. So um, I was I was introduced to uh, this series of tweets, which um, for for our listeners, basically there are these great pictures of ridiculous startup offices with silly rooms like ball pits and a Super Mario themed room and like a <laughs> Pac Man themed room and like some sort of I don't know. It's 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 silly like. There's one that it's like a like a treehouse with a with a aluminum slide in it, and I, I just the reason it came, it was brought up to me in the first place was because uh, one of my coworkers tweeted it, uh, but also said, uh, you know, people seem to think that what developers want is like a fun little meeting room with uh, you know a ball pit in it. And then free lunch and everything like that. And he was like, but what, all I really want is really fun problems to work on with really smart coworkers and a reasonable time to go home every day. And so like he, he asked this really interesting question, which was, what do developers really want? Mm -hmm. And I thought, I thought that was a really, that, that could be a really fun topic to talk about because I think a lot of companies think, well, you know, in order to get the greatest and best and et cetera, we have to create a fun environment where you're never going to want to leave. Um, <laughs> and in reality, I want to be able to leave. <laughs> I want to like, like spend all of my energy uh, for a solid eight hours every day working on something really cool that I can feel really proud of and learn a ton And then stop and then do something completely different. Yeah. Get a good night's sleep, hang out with my family and friends, you know, and then come back to it the next day. 
it would be totally. even better if I only had to do it four days a week instead of five. But look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push too hard there. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Even three uh, days a week. Oh not? goodness. Yeah. Well, there <laughs> yeah. is. So I know that there are some companies that do. Four, like there's this one least. company. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. There is. There is one company uh, in the U.S. Uh, Treehouse. They do a lot of uh, online, um, like, classes and stuff. It's like a, like. Uh, lessons like you, you can take a, a like a course it, it's like an online course thing where you can like learn Ruby on Rails or whatever um, but they they have a a four day work week and mm-hmm. everybody works 10 hours a day four days a week and that's it and like they said that it works perfectly because everybody knows I only have four days so I have to get I have to be really really focused for four days straight and then be done and then have a three day weekend and I'm like, that is brilliant. I love that. That's cool. Um, when I used to work at NASA, uh, there were a few groups that have this. It's We call it the, the 980, um, where basically you work nine hours a day, four days a week. And then on the fifth day, you either work eight hours or no hours. So you work like nine, basically nine work days in like in a row and then you have like so like every other weekend you have a three-day weekend mm-hmm. um which is also kind of nice that's nice yeah so um i don't know i think i, I really like how she contrasts those those uh fantasy con- uh, conversations to those pictures yes which, yes because it, because it really contrasts like a serious situation that could happen in a startup where somebody we get hacked and then this is right. this thing where we've been hacked. They found a loophole. It's not possible. Gather the team. Let's meet at the Mario room. And then there's a picture of the Mario room. And it just seems so silly contrasted so against silly. like serious work situations that happen in a startup where, or somebody gets fired in the Pac-Man room and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, and also, it, they, then also the those rooms to just seem so obviously impractical. Like so, like how are you going to do some? real work in those rooms yeah exactly like there's this (laughs) there's this one room with like hot air balloon baskets and you're like what is this like i understand you want a cool office but there's a point at which this is no longer feasible this is this is not i could not work in an office like this i just ah. I, I no, I can't it, do it. I it cannot ma- do it. Yeah, and it makes it makes really bad use of the space. Yeah, you know? it's really yeah. like it's just wasted space. It's crazy. <laughs> so funny. This is awesome. Yeah. So I, I I think I think people will get a kick out of this. This is just classic startup. People seem to think that this is what we that this is what we want, and it's mm. like no, no, I don't want this. I don't want to have a serious conversation in a ball pit. Yeah, I just exactly. don't. <laughs> I want to throw balls at people in the ball pit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, you also had a tweet, Khalil. Um, I did. Let's see what that tweet was. It was <laughs> something uh, that the Andre Stoltz tweeted about. Oh, that's really that's a oh yeah, it's just a neat little thing. So Andre Stoltz, who is the CycleJS author. Um, he he's he he did, he he posted that Egghead IO course about CycleJS, which is actually also really cool. It's because he also he really shows in those uh, Egghead videos, um, which are like they're always like three minutes 
a pop and all together it's like one and a half hours but he shows how to build your own cycle jazz implementation so that you understand exactly what work what, how it works behind the scenes and then it, he shows you how to use it how to use the library so that's but that's an aside and he also so i guess when you are an egghead author so egghead io is a very popular site uh, where you where you get uh, where you can um, get an account but you can also get free courses and they're all just screencasts and um and if you are an author there apparently i guess maybe you can just whenever you have something that you want to want to share you want to teach something you can just create a screencast and upload it um because he did this screencast that was i think not part of the cycle.js screencast series which is just about refactoring like a little refactoring trick and i thought it was actually neat because he he said what he's saying is basically when he writes code um he doesn't leave any empty lines in his javascript functions right so mm. when you you have uh you declare variables And then you have the return statement or you do computations, whatever you do, your return statement and stuff. And he does not leave lines between, you know, because normally, uh, like the, the, the very common way to do this is like you declare variables, you have like a, an empty line, then you do some if statement or whatever, and then empty line and then return or something like that. And he basically is saying <clears throat> not leaving any lines. So he has two principles he's following in order to facilitate refactoring or motivate himself to refactor his code all the time while he's writing it. And, and those two principles are never lean, leave any empty lines and never have more than six statements in your function. So because, of course, when you don't leave any empty lines, it irritates you because If the if you get if you have too much code in that function, right? When it gets because when it gets really long, you know, like 13 statements, 20 or 30 or whatever, you're like, oh, I have no idea what's going on here. Like everything's just like a big soup, and um, and by sticking to those two principles, he keeps his functions like super small, and um, and constantly refact refactors big functions to smaller ones and stuff. And mm -hmm. it's kind of a way how he's doing it. I thought it was it was a, a neat trick, a very um uh what is the word? It's it's something that I haven't haven't seen before and I just thought it was mm -hmm. a cool little uh trick to yeah. to refactoring, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Refactoring is a necessary evil. Actually some people love refactoring. Some people like have this massive joy in refactoring. I for one am <clears throat> I'm the type of person who's like, I will refactor if I have to. <laughs> and not a moment before. <laughs> right. Mostly because I just have so many things on my plate. But anyway. I, I, so I, I like refactoring, I must say. There's always, yeah. there's, there's a payoff from refactoring, yes. you know. And that's always yeah. a good feeling when you, oh, this is more, this is so elegant. I could, I deleted like, like half of my code. It's great. Yeah. yeah. That part is cool. That, is that part cool. is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness! I Alrighty. think we're we're almost out of time. We totally um, are. <clears throat> so, uh, do we have new people in the uh, Slack chat? Slack channel. I think we do. I think. Uh, didn't you put somebody into the new people list? I think Joao is new. Yes. So shout out to shout out Joao. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's it. That's it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, the growth curve of the Slack chat is It's slowing down. Slowing down, man. What's going on? What's going on with you guys Jeez. and girls? This is weird. Yeah. I'm not it's used okay. to this. No. I'm getting depressed. No. I'm no. Just no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but we. I'm not. I must say, we also not. Soon. Huh? There'll be time changes happening, so there'll be more sunlight. There you go. There you go. Because that's that's the correlation. Yeah. Once, once the time changes, then you get more sunlight. It's not like it's a natural process or anything like that. No, it has nothing to do with the sun at all. Actually. No. 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 The sun. The sun pays attention to the time change, which is why um, different countries have different different time change times. Like mm-hmm. the U.S. just went through theirs, so now we're getting more sun in the U.S. And unfortunately, I, it my, it's my understanding that, that Germany has not had your time change yet. So you're all still stuck in the in the doom and gloom of winter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but the Happy Channel is still going strong, I must yes. say. Very cool. Uh, one of my favorites is the hamster with a little skele- skeleton. <laughs> on, riding on like riding it. <laughs> falling off of it while the hamster's eating something. Indeed. Indeed. Oh, I love good. that channel. It's a great channel. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so... So we definitely um, encourage everybody to join the Slack chat. It's uh, the link to join is in the show notes. Just scroll down in the show notes in your podcast app or on the website. The website is reactive.audio. You will find all the links there as well. And I am Khalil Tweets on the Twitter. And I am Rockbot on the Twitters. Um, and you can find, you can also tweet at us at, uh, at reactive pod. If you want to talk to all of us at the same time, you know, that that's cool too. Um, yes. or, um, and, uh, definitely leave us a, a, you know, a nice little review on iTunes. If you, uh, feel so inclined, um, you can find the, we have a hot link to iTunes, uh, in, in our show notes as well. So, you know, hang out with us. We're pretty cool. Exactly. I think. And, and also, um, and, and also uh, normally there's a third person with us, and his, his Twitter is HGladderGods. Which, which we can pronounce first, <laughs> the first time, every time. Unlike, exactly. Unlike our, our um, international superhero, <clears throat> Mr. Henning. Well, he has know. he has a lot on uh, he has a lot on his mind. I mean, the corgis, the corgis just take over everything. Yes, yep. it's so hard. It's hard. So yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, chat with everyone next week, uh, and yeah, have fun, y'all. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.